0: You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson.
1: Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners. As you know, our podcast is always sponsored by the travel company for young people under 30 experiences. I am on my way to Bali for three amazing weeks to hang out with other like-minded young people. And I can't tell you how excited I am. But the good news is if you can't travel 24 hours to the other side of the world, you still can't hang out with awesome young people in your local city. We are currently on a road trip across the United States uh, all through the West, Chicago, Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, L.A., Uh, Las Vegas, Austin, Nashville, back up to Chicago. I probably missed a couple stops along the way, but if you're interested in getting involved, involved, even all through this September, we are going to be having Under 30 Experiences events, especially out on the East Coast, uh, starting off with Boston and New York and D.C., and Miami, Fort Lauderdale, et cetera, et cetera. We have a vibrant community of young people who are sick and tired of the status quo. So check us out, under30experiences.com, and you can see all of the locations across the world that we travel to, as well as under30experiences.com slash blog, and you can see all the information on our road trip and our local events, and we would love to have you come out for a drink and hang out with other cool young people. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I am Matt Wilson, and today we are joined by Danielle Madden, a friend of mine who is a CPA, a uh, financial advisor that focuses on helping people get, uh, for lack of a more eloquent term, Danielle, you're very, very eloquent, but on your site, You say point blank, help people get their financial shit together. And uh, I think it is a very important message that a lot of people can learn from. And you specifically focus on entrepreneurs uh, and people with web-based businesses, people who are trying to work remotely. We are Skyping right now. I am in Austin, Texas, and you are in Buenos Aires, uh, Aires. Argentina where you have bought a one-way ticket and uh you're not quite sure if you're coming back is that right
0: yep that's right at least for the time being it's all up in the air right now
1: awesome awesome so we have definitely a lot to talk about uh we can talk a little bit about your your travels of course and try to give um people a, re- a really uh clear vision for how they can get their mind wrapped around the topic of money and what they need to know to get some actionable things out of there. And uh, also we'll be mentioning at the end that you have a special offer for our listeners today for a 30-minute consultation uh, with yourself. So that's pretty cool. Thank you for that, Danielle. Yeah, of course. So, all right. I, we need to we need to talk about one thing, Danielle, that we have not talked about in a while, and this is something that happened in Iceland. Are you ready? <laughs> Do you know where I'm going with this?
0: I know where you're going. Yep.
1: <laughs> okay. Because I was thinking, was this Danielle? Yes, it definitely was Danielle. And uh, you are an under 30 experiences uh, alumni. You came on our trip to Iceland, and we went on a hike. Um, we're in a very very. Remote part of the world. We're on an island now, uh, off of the coast of Iceland, the Westman Islands, uh, volcanic uh, volcanic islands. these just sheer fjords that come straight out of the out of the North Atlantic Ocean, and uh, we we go up uh, on a hike. And you're you're a pretty athletic person. Um, you were a, you were a Division One golfer. I read that you were a uh, also, a all-American scholar, so that's that's pretty cool. And you wanted to be a little bit more aggressive on this hike. Do you remember this?
0: <laughs> I do remember this. I, I was very set on getting to the top of the mountain.
1: Yes, and uh, so we had some. Uh, this was the very. I mean, pretty much. I would say a probably only a seven hundred and fifty-foot vertical climb and i don't mean in distance i mean in elevation change but basically it was just hand over hand climbing for a lot of this stuff and and no ropes and some pretty sketchy ladders (laughs) and uh, we offer something for everyone at under 30 experiences so if there's people who are more advanced i like to run along with them and if there are people who just want to take it easy and soak in the view that's cool too and I was caught in between a little bit of a uh, in in a dilemma. There was I don't know. Courtney was oh that's right. Courtney, our, our photographer and staffer, had gone up one of the other uh, volcanic uh, <laughs> mountains, and we could we could actually see them across the harbor. But so she took a group. So it was just myself with our half of the group. And you're like, hey man, I'm gonna I'm gonna run ahead. Is that cool? And I was like, yeah, of course it's a. It's okay. And uh, could you take us to where it might have, we might have gone after that? (laughs) Well, yeah, I I think that what what happened was there was a little bit
0: of a time constraint. And, you know, I was like, oh, let me run ahead uh, just a couple minutes. And like being the kind of, I guess, athletic competitive person that I can be, I was like, oh, I can totally get to the top of this, like, in five minutes, like, I can do it, and I, like, sprinted up this thing, and then I get to the top of it, and I'm just, like, in awe of of where I am, but on the way up, like Matt was saying, it was, it was quite a bit of, like, hand over hand, you know, you're climbing up this mountain, and there were some narrow passages, and in one of them, my backpack, Happened to fall off and it fell off upside down, and I was like, whatever, I've only got five minutes, like I'm just gonna leave it and come back. (laughs) But without really thinking that it might cause a little bit of worry for Matt who's (laughs) waiting behind me. So he's all down there worried, like, Danielle, where are you? And I'm up on the top of this mountain, like, oh, this is so beautiful, this is so cool, taking pictures of my feet to put on Instagram. And (laughs) then I come down and he's like, Danielle, what the hell are you doing? So that was definitely Definitely, uh, it was a great moment for me, but I'm sure it took uh, a little bit of time off your life,
1: Matt. I, I would say when I start, I, we had to catch the ferry on the, on the way back and thought, geez, she's taking a little long up there. Maybe I should check on her. And I said, you guys head down and I'll, I'll go... Uh, take a peek for Danielle, and I, you know I'm I'm climbing up, and then all of a sudden I, it just looked like a it, it just looked like a murder scene. To be honest, it was just your sad little backpack on its back, like either either you tumbled off that cliff to your death, or you just decided to take your own life and just jumped. And literally, my, the thoughts that were going through my head were. Well, she didn't seem depressed. She seemed like a, she seemed like she was having the time. I don't know why she would jump. What is going on? I was, you uh, you had me there, Danielle. So I'm glad that you're still with us and uh, live to live to tell the story. Yes,
0: absolutely. Won't forget that one. That's for sure. No,
1: for sure, for sure. Okay. So um, also on this trip to Iceland, we had some just some chances to talk a, a little bit casually about. Um, your your transition, you were living in San Diego and it seems like you absolutely loved it. And uh, you were a CPA and I think you were doing the corporate thing and you decided that you wanted to go out on your own. Can you kind of bring us through your own personal story um, so people know little bit of of where you are, how you made it to to Argentina on a one-way ticket, and then we can start to talk about some of the techniques that that you've used to get yourself there and what other people can learn.
0: Totally. yeah. so it's been it's been a long journey. It's been just over a year since I quit my job. Um I was working in public accounting for three years and pretty much from the get-go I knew it wasn't really something that was suited for me. I knew I wanted to be doing something that was, uh, I just felt was more meaningful in the world. I knew that I had more to offer. Um, I started to, in my first year at at working, get into a lot of personal development and just learning more about myself and just what's out there in the world, what's more to offer, and I just really felt disconnected from the corporate world. And um, I also, in that time, really started to learn that, like, travel and freedom and time freedom were things that were really important to me, so I was like, okay, how can I make this happen, and just, and being in San Diego, it's a it's a pretty strong entrepreneurial community, and I just started to make ties with people and, like, learn what other people were doing. I was like, I'm just a very curious person, and just, you know, all, like, looking online at different people's websites and, like, Talking to the people in the community in San Diego, and I, you know, after talking to a lot of people, there was just, it just seemed that there was this need for someone to kind of speak the entrepreneurial language, but also know what they're talking about in terms of finances. And those were both things that I could do. So I was, I basically just took a leap of faith and I, you know, I had some idea of what to do as an entrepreneur, but it was mostly just, I'm going to do this and make this happen. And I know what I want out of it and I know what my motivation is. And so it's going to work. And, um, so yeah, last July I quit my job and I just started off as, um, you know, kind of a CPA, financial advisor for people and, Um, You know, I I did that for a while and, you know, I was doing taxes and then I was like, but the freedom as an entrepreneur is like I could do, I was doing certain things in my business and once I realized I didn't enjoy doing them, I could decide that either I was going to have someone else do it or that I just wasn't going to do it. And so that's kind of what's gotten me where I am now of on slightly different path of not doing taxes and not doing kind of straight up advising and that kind of thing and doing a more well-rounded program for entrepreneurs and that kind of stuff. But part of this whole, you know, experience and motivation for it was the freedom to be able to travel. And, you know, I went to Iceland when I was, had my business and that, like, I just could go off for a week and do that. And now uh, a friend of mine um, was like, hey, I'm going to Buenos Aires for a month, like, do you want to come with me? And I just, I could say yes. Um, to be able to do that, and so I'm super grateful for that. And um, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit about how I got
1: here. That's awesome. So okay, so if someone's listening right now and they're saying, "Wow, the holy grail of of quitting my job," you're a, you're a financial advisor. I'm curious to know: is there a certain formula that you Used for yourself before you quit your job that you wanted to have uh, saved up X amount or, or you know X number of months living expenses so that you could then start making an income or maybe you were making an income on the side uh, what's your What's your best advice for people I'm curious
0: yeah so well it was a bit of a learning experience I wouldn't necessarily have done it the way that I did it but I would do it the way that I did it plus what I know now <laughs> so um what, for me, what that looked like was I actually had quite a bit of money in savings. I've always been pretty financially savvy. And for me, and this was partially from my parents, but it was always a rule for me to put away a chunk of my paycheck. And so I, you know, from the very first day of my job, I was putting money in my 401k like I was supposed to, blah, blah, blah. But I also was putting money into an account that I wasn't allowed to touch every month. So every time, I think I got paid twice a month. So twice a month, I would put a chunk of money in there. And I just knew that I wasn't allowed to touch it. I had that separate from a savings account and separate from my checking account. So that, first of all, was really helpful. And even though I actually, when I first started that account, I thought I was going to put a down payment on the house and blah, blah, but that, that quickly changed. But I think that no matter what your goal is, like having that separate account that you don't touch that um, is really important. And so... Um so yeah that was like step 1 and for me like um I did have an idea in mind of like how long that would last me like I definitely calculated that out and like having that goal like when I would start making money and da 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 da, da. and so but what I didn't know then that I do now and I do with my clients is uh really creating a really clear picture on how much money I do need to make per month for myself personally in my business and including like saving for taxes and and personal savings and that kind of thing. Like looking what that number is monthly. Like what does that look like yearly? What am I currently offering and like how can I get there with what I'm currently offering and like just getting really clear on the steps to get there. So if I would like, if I could go back, I would do that in combination with just living off the savings. And so since I've begun to do that with my own business, things have gotten a lot more clear and it's so much easier to take action and know what I need to be focusing on and it's it's been a game changer. So in combination though I didn't do it at the time, those are the two things that I think are extremely important to really knowing what you need um, to get into the entrepreneurial game.
1: Okay, so if there's a first step, because just listening to this, uh, even my myself, well I guess I never had a real job, uh, but <laughs> I... Yeah, these are things that everybody has to has to take care of for themselves, um, and there's a lot of details. Even thoughts pop up in my head like oh, well, Danielle has a, a checking account and a savings account, and then this other account that she's not supposed to touch, which is the, you know, uh, and then, wait, which account does she save for her taxes from? And this is something separate from her. You know, that's, for, for me, it would be from my business, or maybe it would not be from my business. This would be, so it gets very, it gets, this is why people like you have uh, have businesses like you do to make sense of it all. So what's the first, what's the basic, uh, where's the starting block? Where do you begin? Because uh, I definitely try to simplify things as much as possible, not just on the podcast for for listeners, but um, if you read a book like uh, Ramit and I Will Teach You To Be Rich, you know, he talks about just automating his stuff as easily as possible so that it takes absolutely no brain power and mental energy because we can get into the psychology of this a little bit later, but spending mm-hmm. lots of mental energy on stuff, uh, especially around money, to, I mean, it's just, it can be really draining. So what's the first kind of, what's, what should someone's base uh, finances look like and be organized like, if you don't mind me asking?
0: <laughs> sure. So um, for, for someone who's an entrepreneur specifically, what I recommend, like usually the first thing we do is set up, even if you're a sole proprietor, um, or, you know, you, you don't have a business entity. Um, hopefully people know what that means. <laughs> the first thing that I would recommend doing is setting up separate, a separate business checking account and a separate business savings account. And then if you choose a separate business credit card and what this does is it makes things like very clearly separate from the personal, because First of all, when they're intertwined, it just gets really messy and confusing, and you can't really be clear on, like, what you're making in your business and are you meeting your goals and that kind of thing. And second of all, it's just kind of legally you need to do that. So that's usually the first thing we do, and, um, you know, I do recommend doing a little bit of like having your own system and, and it can look different for everyone, but a typical system would be like, you know, if you're making money in your business, having that all go into the checking and then knowing kind of like what you're saying with creating the automation of like always putting 10% or 15% of that into the savings account, um, for taxes. And then all, and you could also like have a certain amount of dollar, certain amount, certain percentage or dollar amount, whatever, it depends on how you work with clients that you transfer into your personal account. And then from there, you you can have your own personal checking and savings. So, um, you know, it it does sound complicated, but it's the setup is the worst part. And then after that, you don't really have to worry about it because you know what's going where and when, and then it just becomes easy.
1: Okay. Excellent. And for anybody who is uh, still, you know, taken back by this or wants to to really dive into the details, because this could be a very long conversation. Well, that's where a, you know a thirty minute consultation, like some uh, with someone like yourself, could be very helpful. And just adding people to your team, to your core advisors, who who is your CPA, who is your bookkeeper, um, who is your attorney, to help you with the legal entities and all that so these are things people definitely uh, need to to consider and they I, I do you have any actually do you have any books other than uh, I will teach you to be rich by by Ramit uh, Sethi to uh, that you could recommend if people want to hear more
0: yeah um I let's see there's there's so many out there <laughs> um think think and grow rich is always a good one that's a little bit more of the mindset um And, I mean, to be honest, a lot of what I've learned about these kind of nitty-gritty details, like accounts and stuff like that, is through experience and through um, working with other people. Um, The books that I've read around finance a lot have been—well, Rich Rich Dad, Poor Dad has more of the kind of nitty-gritty details and that kind of thing— but most of the books I read are around money mindset and, and that kind of stuff. So okay, well, um,
1: yeah, let's let's get into that stuff because obviously, actually, that's a really hard question to put you on the spot because it's not like you go, you're you're a CPA and a financial advisor. I don't think you sit around reading books on how to open up a checking account. So uh, no. I, I give you a, I give you a complete pass on that one, Daniel. But Thanks. two books <laughs> that I have read. Uh, Think and Grow Rich and Rich Dad, Poor Dad are two classics, uh, one from, God, I don't know when, er- the early 1900s is Think and Grow Rich. And if you read the the new version, the call it remastered version, um, it's, re- it's really good and it takes a lot of the old school 1900s languages, uh, language out of it and puts it into much more r- relatable Terms um, and then also rich dad poor dad is a book that I came across probably when I was 16, and uh, I don't know I've I probably read it 10 times, um, probably not in the, maybe not even in the last 10 years, but I've certainly yeah I've certainly read that I've read most of what uh, Robert Kiyosaki had written probably in my um, teens. Actually, Sharon Lecter, who he co-wrote the book with. Uh, it, we're trying to get her to come on the podcast. She was a speaker at an under thirty CEO event. But anyway, I digress. I'd love to ask a little bit more about uh, things that you've said on on your website, like healthy cash flow equals a healthy life flow, and that uh, the your relationship with money is something that people really need to be really need to be focused on. So can you can you talk about how? Uh, emotionally, mentally, and practically, that people can get a hold of their finances.
0: Yeah, and and to be honest, like of all the technical things that I I talk about, like that's all great, but none of it's going to work if you don't have a really great mentality around money and a good relationship with money. And so that and that's actually the part that I enjoy, you know, working with my clients more on um, because it really gets down to um, some core beliefs and and things that are showing up in our life everywhere so um, you know having having a good relationship with money can mean a lot of things but um, you know I think a lot of people know that and have experience getting really stressed out around their finances and just having this roller coaster of like oh things are great oh my god what happened to all my money like da, da 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 da, and having that kind of relationship and like really giving your power away to money and having it allow it to affect your emotions is something that would be an example of not having a very good relationship with money. But the thing is, is like, this just isn't something that we're taught. It's not something that we talk about very often. uh, But it's just something to be cognizant of. It's not going to be something that changes overnight. um, But it's it's just really interesting to observe ourselves and how we interact with money. Are we, you know, if like, do we really have no idea where money's going? And then at the end of the month, every, every month, at the end of the month, we freak out and like, Oh my God, what's happening? You know, do we just, um, are we like always in scarcity mode? Like there's never enough, there's never enough. Like what, like what are our relationships around money? What have we picked up from our parents? Like, um, you know, for example, if you're like, in my family, I don't think my parents are going to to this. <laughs> it was always, even though we were totally fine, there was always just like, we need more, we need more. Like there's not enough, even though everything was totally fine. And it's easy for us as like children to pick that up. And that becomes our mentality around money, no matter what the situation is. Like there could be someone who makes $500,000 a year. That's just still constantly feeling that scarcity. And so it's really just becoming aware of like, what are these, thoughts around money that we're having, how do we interact with it? Um, you know, like another example would be like if if every time you spend money, you're like, oh my God, like, you know, you just kind of like um have anxiety around it versus um something that I like to do is when I spend money being like there's more where that came from. And that just creates a different energy around spending money and just around my relationship with money. Um so those are just a few examples of kind of, you know, the bare bones around the relationship with money. That's a whole can of worms for sure.
1: No, no, I I really like that. And I appreciate how uh, you mentioned that most of these thoughts around money, or I think most of these thoughts around money come from your parents. And I can completely relate with, uh, you know, I've, I've done plenty of work on trying to figure out where my thoughts come from. And I've mentioned in other podcasts, just a very simple practice that you can do a, a very simple exercise is all right whatever your thoughts are and and you can focus it specifically on money write them down and then figure out who taught you to think like that because when we come into the world we don't you know we just like eat food and it's fine and it tastes good so we eat until we're full and you know or we don't have any concept of money right money is just kind of a, this made up currency It's not a real thing in the United States. It's not backed by gold or anything anymore. It's just (laughs) it's just all digital numbers and or and I guess valued by paper, but not really anymore. But uh, if you can take a piece of paper and write down all of your thoughts about money as in, um, oh, this is too expensive or I could never afford that or, uh, you know, here's one that I grew up hearing get off the phone because it's long distance or, you know, <laughs> and just all of those little, t- all of those little types of things, um, they wear into your, into your subconscious. And so then you have, so, you know, if you just write those things down and say, oh, who is this? Or, uh, here, here's a, here's an example, kind of an, imba- an embarrassing one, but when my <laughs> friends would come over, when the neighborhood kids would come over, my mom would take the cookies and she would hide them because the neighborhood kids would eat all, everything in our pantry, right? So she would hide the, she would hide the cookies and it became kind of this joke in, in our family about hiding, hiding the cookies. Cause you know, Chips Ahoy were like, I don't know, three bucks a box back then. And it was, uh, we wanted to make sure that we had enough for ourselves, but This became like, uh, oh, my God, we we can't be generous to the neighborhood kids. And this is kind of where I learned, you know, where other mothers you'd go. And they'd set out a jar of cookies for all the neighborhood kids to eat. And it was just how they had different thoughts about their life. So really getting a hold of that, I I really appreciate that. Do you have any other exercises or any ways that people can think about that? Can you explain it uh, any differently than I have?
0: Um, no, I mean, that's usually what I recommend to, you know, I have a number of questions that I go through, but they, you know, it definitely, the first step is what did you learn from your parents? How, how did your, you know, and you can go into each parent, um, or, you know, whoever was the influence in your life, you know, like how did my father act around money? How did my mother act around money? You know, how did they interact about money, um, And then, you know, just really looking at the family dynamic because that's, you know, obviously what we experience the most. Um, And then if if you like depending on someone's age, if they've had any really, um, you know, uh, like rough or just really memorable experiences around money, whether it's, you know, um, having to just like having hardship or anything like those can cause a lot of, cause I mean, as you probably know, our brain tends to remember the negative experiences better than the positive experiences. Right. And so, you know, just remembering those negative experiences around money and, you know, this, like doing all this and and thinking and also like societal, like, you know, if you're like your certain religious group, if there was stigmas around money or just in the neighborhood that you grew up in, or, you know, like, um, or the college you went to, like, it can be anything, like, anywhere you've got messages about money, like, just really think about those, and this part is really the hardest, like, it's step one, you really have to, like, get real with yourself, and real with your experiences, and, and, like, just, but, but the beauty of it is to know that it's, none of it belongs to you, and when you realize that, and you start to realize, like, Okay, so me acting this way around money has nothing to do with me. It's like I didn't create it. I took it on from someone else. Then you can literally like think about like cutting a cord between you and that person or that idea or, you know, wherever it came from. And then like this is the cool part is like you it's now your choice to decide how you want to show up with your money, right? And um, and, and create your own new habits. Like, how do you, how would you rather feel with your money? And, um, that's like, that's really where, you know, it becomes more like a game, you know, like it's tough at first, you got to face that stuff. And then you get to decide, you get to take your power back around your money and around your mindset and it becomes much less draining.
1: No, absolutely. And then you could bake a whole list of new thoughts that you would like to, have uh yeah, new thoughts that you'd like to have around money how you can afford things or or maybe you can't maybe you're an overspender right and uh you need to yeah, you need to think uh, in an alternative way also if people have grown up around um, those that lived through the great depression like my grandparents you know, mm-hmm. my, I can tell that my parents were directly influenced by their parents who grew up in the Depression. Uh, yeah, who grew up during the Depression. So things like, oh, well, we have to call her grandma, but she's going to talk for 45 seconds. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. She, yes. they, they still do that to this day. And I have, no, grandma, you have, you know, you have... 500 minutes left on your, you know. Oh no, you're on the. It's nights and weekends. We can, we can, we can talk for as long as we want or whatever. Or there was a period in time, right, like uh, early 2000s, probably when you would only call people after 9 p.m. because oh my probably Verizon gave you free free minutes. But all that stuff gets w- worn into your head, and then you're walking around, and you think you think you just have like a crappy psychology around money because. Of what other people thought.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, especially for people who are entrepreneurs, like, there are other key areas that are often tied with your ability to make money. And one of the big things a couple of the big things are value. Like how, how much do you value yourself and your services? Um, You're like, are you afraid to be seen? Like, do you have any fear around being seen by people, whether it's on social media or publicly or anything like that? Like, do you have any big fears about success? Um, A lot of times people aren't aware that they're afraid of being successful because being successful can mean, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to work so much or I'm going to not have a a life anymore because I'm going to be famous or um, I can't be more successful than my parents. like looking at all of these areas too is super important because really money is energy and it's like everything in our life is energy and it's all affected by each other. It's all intertwined. And so it's really important to look at those aspects of entrepreneurship as well and see how they might be affecting your relationship with money and, and the ability for money to come into your life. Um, for example, Uh, And and it's the same process that I was talking about earlier of like kind of identifying these things and then like allowing yourself to release them and then starting a new habit, a new thought and all that. Like, for example, I had a client who, who had come to the realization that they were afraid to be seen. Like they were afraid to put themselves out there. They had been, they have, they have something really great to offer and just such a great energy, but just weren't seeing a lot of progress in their business. And you know, being able to admit that and be like, wow, like I really am like afraid to be seen and going into that. Well, why? Like, you know, is, are you afraid of the judgment? Or are you a perfectionist? And you're just like afraid to put anything out that's not perfect. Like, you know, what are the details about that? And then, and from like, for me personally, I'm all, I'm all about taking action to create a new habit. So like I challenged her to create, um, uh, create a periscope every day for those of you don't know it's the live stream new twitter app um and it doesn't have to be anything related to her business it can be like stupid dancing to a song or whatever but just getting on there for two weeks straight and creating a periscope every day just to like release that pattern and remind herself like this is okay nothing nothing really like uh there's nothing that's going to happen from this that's actually going to affect my life. Like I'm not. This isn't going to happen, and then my life's going to be over. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's what we create in our mind. Like that's the fear trap that we create in our mind. Like these things are so real that if this happens, then my life is over. You know, and it's just really becoming aware of those things and creating new habits.
1: No, I, absolutely, and I, I really like where you said. Uh, uh, that it comes down to what you value and so you need Mm -hmm. to prioritize when it comes to money what's most important to you well for me personally the only thing not the only thing but the very (laughs) most important thing above all else is using money to make myself better and so that Mm -hmm. go that goes into I want to put the highest quality foods available into my body, and that means, okay, I'm going to go to Whole Foods, aka Whole Paycheck, and spend it there because I want to have the highest quality nutrients because that's the best investment that I can possibly make. And so if you actually sit down and you can write out your your values, and not just about money, write about the values... you know, hey, if you're if you're trying to attract a relationship, well, write down the values in the person that you would let that you would like to attract, or write down mm-hmm. uh, your own. You know, everyone should have their own values written down, I think, and then write down your your values and your priorities about money. I, I think that's extremely important.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I that's something that I do with my clients as well. It's kind of it's kind of actually like the baseline of creating. Um, the financial blueprint that I talked about in the beginning of like knowing how much you actually need to make as an entrepreneur, and one of those things is knowing what you value spending your money on and what you value having in your life, and um, you know choosing where you're going to invest in yourself. And instead of thinking of things as as a budget or where I spend money, I like to think of it as like how am I investing in myself? And those tie into what I value. And like I too really value putting um, really great foods into my body. I value travel and I value experiences. And so those are things that like, I know that I'm going to put my money towards and I'm okay with it. And also just from going back to the mental perspective of, you know, um, oftentimes people can get guilty, get into that guilt mode for spending money. But if you're really clear on what you value, and you spend money on something that's like in one of those categories, then it just takes that away because you're like, no, this is actually really important to me, so I'm okay with this. So it really clears things up in many ways.
1: Absolutely, and taking your list of values and saying, is this a good investment of my money or am I just spending it frivolously? Am I at the bar and buying a round of shots for a bunch of people who I don't really care for in the first place? Does that align with my values, or is it, you know, or did I put fitness in my top three values? And am I spending extra money on a personal trainer every month and not buying the round of shots? So just aligning those things are really important, and this is all stuff that you have to work on. and And by the way, I, I do want to mention that the part of your brain um, that controls. Money is the same place that controls food. And so you can see a lot of parallels between people's eating habits and their spending habits. And so if people, uh, for, for example, um, you know, this is not something that I was born with, and, and or this is sorry, not born with, but raised with, we were raised in a very frugal family. And so We bought the cheapest stuff available to put in our refrigerator and then put into our bodies. And that's just how I was raised. So I had to do a lot of work and to say, hey, it's okay to invest that money on this, you know, whatever, quote unquote, lavish meal because it's the highest quality nutrients available. And that directly correlates to how you uh, feel okay with spending money or if you see someone who's, hor- who's a hoarder or who's always buying stuff and their closet is jam-packed with shoes and sweaters and crap, well chances are they're probably going to be overweight because they just they, they're always grabbing for anything they can get their hands on and holding on to that um, mm-hmm. so yeah, these, these psych- <laughs> this, the psychology behind this really is a real thing Oh,
0: absolutely. And yeah, I mean, especially when, you know, like you're saying, when it comes to something where you, you had that point where you realize like, I want to put these good foods into my body or, I mean, and it can even be something like with travel, which is something I experienced of like, do I really deserve this? Like, why, like, is this necessary? Right? Because our minds are trained, you know, cause I, I was in a fairly frugal family as well. And, you know, our minds get trained that like, well, that's not necessary. You don't need that. Like you can live off of this, but and that, and this again, goes back to the value conversation, not just of what you value, but how much you value yourself and your health and your ability to have an impact on the world. And like the more that you grasp onto that value, the easier it becomes to let go of that guilt and that, do I deserve this? And really like step into, you know, owning those things that you value in terms of, you know, whether it's spending money on travel or spending money on food or both or whatever it is, you know,
1: absolutely. And if you were providing value to the world, right? Then you should deserve to be compensated fairly for that. Absolutely. If you're providing tremendous value to the world, then you should be, you should be valued tremendously by society and compensated uh, tremendously as well. And if you want to go back to food one more time, because as you can (laughs) tell, I, I absolutely love food these days. Uh, you, the good nutrients and that good food that you paid extra for is literally fueling the way that you are adding value to the world. You put good food in and what is your, what, what are you putting out? What is your output? Your output is value into the world. So that's, you know, that all just makes sense to me.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. It's yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it comes full circle. Like, you know, if you, you're feeling your body, you can show up better you can serve more. You can add more value. It's exactly, it's, it's, it's a cycle of value adding.
1: <laughs> cool, cool. Okay, Danielle, I wanted to ask you about self-sabotage. Um, okay. Because, you, well, you, you brought it up. And I think a lot of people uh, that you come across will have really great intentions to going out and starting businesses or pursuing their dreams or what what have you. And then they kind of just get in their own way. Um, Is there anything that you can... Have you had any experience with this, helping people, or or anything that the listeners can learn from that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think probably 95% of entrepreneurs deal with self-sabotage in some way or another, and whether that comes in... Like, fear of failure is a form of sabotage in itself, you know, and a lot of people have that. But, I mean, even I myself have experienced just letting... um, you know, I've, there's been times where I've let, let myself get discouraged and, and even that like feeding into that is a form of self-sabotage, right? But, um, I mean, really everything circles back to being aware of your thoughts because that's where all forms of self-sabotage come from. It's listening to the thoughts in your head that are really made up, you know? And when you can become aware of like, like one of the biggest things for me personally has literally been to become an observer of my thoughts. And I'm not, I'm not perfect a hundred percent of the time, that's for sure. But it has helped me so much to go from being, um, having moments of, and, and I've seen this with my clients too, but just being able to speak from personal experience of going from moments of like, thinking that these thoughts of like, oh my God, everything's going wrong or I'm going to fail or just, I'm scared to fail or I'm not going to make enough money or whatever, like believing that those are real is, is the worst thing that you can do for yourself and your business. Um, and once you can become an observer and say, Hmm, that's an interesting thought. Like, I'm just going to choose not to believe that, or I'm going to replace it with this thought or, you know, or going into it more and kind of being like, where did that come from? da. da, da, da. It is is one of the most important things that you can do, because in in reality like uh, like as you know when we're born, we don't even have thoughts like we're born as these like little balls of energy right and and the thoughts come to us as we grow older from you know it's all about what's in our environment, and so we have the power to choose what thoughts we want to allow ourselves to listen to and which ones we don't. And most like 99% of the time, we don't even have to listen to any of them because they are literally our ego, just making them up and wanting us to be scared, trying to protect us, putting us in survival mode. And we don't live in the, I don't know, what is it? Caveman times anymore. (laughs) Like there's not a lot that we need protecting from um, these days. So we don't need to listen to our ego 99% of the time. We need to take control over our thoughts and decide what we want to be thinking, what we want to be doing and focus on that.
1: Absolutely. And just the simple expression you Were Not Your Thoughts is the very biggest thing that I ever learned in a yoga class. Uh, and that's how I discovered it. But do you have any practices uh, yourself that were, able, that were able to allow you to observe your thoughts? And it could be as simple as just writing them down on a piece of paper what pops up. I mean, that can be considered a meditation. But what, uh, how about yourself? Do you have any uh, personal practices?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think I've done a number of things over the years, but this actually became something that I became really good at this year, just actually like six months ago. And as simple as it sounds, really, what it was for me was to make a a, like a, a cognizant effort to listen to my thoughts first of all, and then what I started to do was every time I would hear a thought, I would say, "Hmm, that's interesting," and then I'd be like, you know, say something like, like, thank you for, you know, thank you for saying that, but I'm not going to listen to it right now. Or like basically just acknowledging it because once you start acknowledging it, then it's no longer on autopilot. Um, and it's so much easier to like catch yourself in these thoughts. Um, so that's really been the biggest thing for me. was like getting into that mode of acknowledging, like listening, acknowledging, and then deciding like, okay, bye, I'm not listening to you, or okay, like, I'll consider that.
1: Uh, absolutely, and then as you become more aware of this, as you do this all of the time, and every thought that you that pops into your head, eventually you can, uh, you're able to label it or, or, or maybe label it isn't a good word, but be able to become aware of it and acknowledge it and then move on you know, move on with your day, you become hyper aware of this stuff. And then you become more aware of what's happening on the deep layers and in your subconscious, mm-hmm. where I think a lot of people's self-sabotage uh, actually lies because everyone wants to believe that they're doing, that that they're going to make it or that they could can be successful. And, and some people, some people aren't even there yet. Some people don't actually believe it, uh, you know, consciously, those thoughts are literally just in their head. Oh, I'm not going to make it. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough, whatever. But then mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff, I think, is trapped in our subconscious. And then once you really start to become an observer of your thoughts, then that stuff just starts to pop up, wouldn't wouldn't you say? You just become aware of, of the deeper underlying meanings of, of all this?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's... Yeah, exactly. And you just you know, off like our emotions are also attached to our thoughts. And so when we get to those deeper subconscious layers, that's kind of where the emotions are too. Right. And so even on a day when you're feeling a little bit off and you realize that your thoughts are kind of like, you know, going haywire a little bit and you're able to separate yourself from it, even though you can, even though it's still kind of happening, you're witnessing it. But what you can also do is like honor the emotions and be like, these emotions are kind of attached to these thoughts, which are not really mine. So I just kind of have to feel them and get over it and then I can move on. And instead of getting wrapped up and sucked into the emotions and, and just then it is like engulfing you. Right. And that's a lot of times where the sabotage comes from is like the emotions are what's hard for our ego to feel too. You know, it's, it's like our ego doesn't want to think the thoughts, but it also doesn't want to feel the emotions. And so um, you know, really becoming aware of those two, and knowing when when they aren't necessarily yours either is really important.
1: absolutely. And when it comes to you know exploring what's going on with you subconsciously, obviously there's lots of resources that people out there can can use. I mean, certainly, therapy hypnosis i would i would certainly say i mean you're literally just replacing your old thoughts or your old uh, stuff from your childhood and going back to that memory and saying oh no it's it's okay uh or 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 what have you or there's apps like omvana uh which is just a, it's a very very simple basic meditation app and you just sit there and listen to it, and it says positive affirmations in your head um, that are able to then basically reprogram your subconscious, I, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but not to, you know, there's certainly the subconscious, but to bring it back to the, the practical, um, you said to that you love creating action around a habit. And mm-hmm. I think that's critically important. If somebody just wants to start a business and just wants their like, What are these two people talking about? They've clearly thought a lot about their their own subconscious <laughs> and explored their the greater depths of their mind. Somebody out there is probably just saying, I just want to make some damn money so I can quit this shitty job. What's What's your best advice around creating action around a, a habit? Um, well, I think
0: for me what it is is getting really clear on what I want and breaking it down into small pieces, which sounds so simple, but, um, and like, duh, but really it's, you know, when, when we like, it's awesome to have a grand idea of wanting to start your own business and like, that's awesome. But when you keep it that big, it kind of just stays that big and out there, like really getting clear on like what this looks like and learning about like the steps of like how you can get there. Like, what do you need to learn more about, um, you know, whether it's on the business side or like we're talking about on the, the mental side of, of things and just taking one step, like basically setting yourself up for a win. You know, like what can you do that's attainable right now instead of letting yourself get overwhelmed by this grand idea that you have um, and just getting really clear on that.
1: Yeah. Breaking it down into actionable steps. What can I do to, today?
0: Mm-hmm. One of my uh, favorite questions, which is actually from my business coach that has so helped me is what do I really need to get done today? Cause to-do lists are like killer. Right. And I know that they make me super unproductive just having this super long list. So when I focus on if, if, if there's one thing that I get done today that I, will make me feel productive and proud, what is that one thing that I really need to get done? And that can also be applied to you know someone who wants to start a business. What is the one thing that I really need to learn today or that I really need to do today that can get me closer to that goal? So just really focusing in and taking the pressure off having to get it all done. What's the one thing you can do?
1: Absolutely. Yesterday I sat down. I was starting to become very overwhelmed, and I wrote down what will make the most impact uh, on my business that I can do today, and I measured that in in terms of revenue. What can mm-hmm. I do that will absolutely drive drive revenue? And, and sure, there's some things like, uh, yeah, you got to set up your, say if you're just starting a business, yeah, I should go and, and set up my LLC. Well, that's not definitely going to drive you, that's not going to drive you business today. You know, what would drive you business today would go out and hit the streets and try to sell something. Um, and yeah. there's definitely a delicate balance, but if you, if you have exercises like this where you just sit with a blank slate of paper and said, say what can I make the most impact on? What will make the most impact on? Or what will help my team the most? Um, you know, to set up to win long term. I think that's super super important.
0: Exactly. Oh, absolutely.
1: Awesome, Dan- Danielle. Okay, as we start to wrap up, uh, I know you have this offer for for our audience, but uh, can you tell us a little bit more what a thirty minute consultation with you, looks like, and what you help people work through?
0: Yeah, so um, it's we pretty much it's called a financial clarity session, and so we get um, the goal is to get a little more clear on your finances from where you were when we first got on the call, and so what we really do is we we talk about where you're at, where you're struggling, like what's really going on, where you, where you think you want to improve, where you think you need help, and really talking about where you want to be, like what does that ideal financial situation look like for you, and then um, getting clear on a plan of at least one action step of how that you could make that happen.
1: Danielle, that is good. Uh, that is good action. That puts, puts people moving in the right direction. I love it. Where can people uh, find out about the offer and learn more?
0: um daniellemadden.com uh well danielle and then m-a-d-d-e-n like john madden not related though
1: beautiful and we'll put this anybody listening on itunes we're going to plug this right into uh, the sh- i guess you call them show notes on on itunes and then also your link will be available on under30ceo.com danielle awesome. this has been awesome uh please drink some red wine. And I would say eat some steak, but I think that you're vegan or vegetarian. Is that right? That is right, oh, but okay. well, I, I enjoy Argentina, however you do it, eat some good food and spend some money.
0: Yeah, oh, trust me, I've done both so far.
1: <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure, Danielle. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, great to catch up with you. Appreciate it. Hey, did you enjoy today's episode? If you did, have a quick favor for you to ask. We are trying to spread the Live Different mentality, the mission right now, so other people can take advantage of all the stuff that you just got to hear about. If you could go to iTunes and leave a review and a rating, this will help us get on the iTunes new and noteworthy list. And that way a bunch more people can hear about what we do over here at the Live Different podcast. So I really appreciate it. If you want to share it, please do. Give it to a friend in need. That is what we want to do, and uh, keep doing good stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks.